You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. so much for joining us for our first roundup of 2020 choose if i podcast back for another year started in 2017 and brad we're going into this year 2020 with gosh it's nearly a million downloads a month right now yeah it is really hard to believe honestly how this thing has grown and it's our fourth year can you believe that four years of choose if i two plus two is equal to four it's just <laughs> simple math done <laughs> show over but it's so much more Oh man, it's been amazing and, and and it's really exciting. Actually, you know, when we structured the show, we kind of set it up so that a little bit of a lifestyle play here. We kind of shut down the podcast for the most of December. We had recorded in advance and this is kind of our first time back in several weeks now. So get back in that saddle, right? Yeah. Not only that, but I haven't actually seen you in the last two or three weeks. Yeah. What's been going on in your world? Well, it's been a mixed thing. One is that I've been practicing, practicing the art of, um, wouldn't say it's it's ghosting. So I wouldn't go, I was not ghosting you, Brad, <laughs> but uh, what I was doing Busted. is checking my, I was being present with my family more, checking my phone less, really actively not trying to think about or look at choose if I, with exception of a couple big things that we had going on that I was so excited about. First and foremost, Jillian's brand new podcast, Everyday Courage. We uh, partnered with her to produce it and bring it to the choose if I community, the choose if I family at the beginning of this year. And wow, it took off. Yeah, Jillian's podcast, Everyday Courage, launched on January 3rd. And Jonathan, we saw it hit in the top 200 of all the podcasts in existence. So you got to have some context, but <laughs> there are about a million podcasts out there. Literally, you know, the numbers are somewhere between 750,000 to a million podcasts registered. <laughs> top 200. Yeah, it's astounding. And yeah, top five in the iTunes self-improvement category. So yeah, I mean, people are really, really enjoying this. And Honestly, the show is fantastic. I knew Jillian was going to bring it, but it's even better than I expected, which is a very, very high bar. And the cool thing, actually, while you have been listening to this in the background, I went in as just a listener. I actually did not listen to the episodes early. So I, I heard them as they went live and it was awesome. Shocking. <laughs> Jonathan wants to punch me in the face now because I know you spent dozens of hours working on it, but, uh, well, I will just say uh, huge congratulations to Jillian. Very excited to have this content in the universe and also to the team that supported it to get that launch and make sure that launch was a success that everybody knew about it. And to you, the audience that did check it out over 5,000 of you actually went and accessed the workbook to get early access to the season and also download. It's a 10 part workbook series that allows you to kind of progress through the content that she's teaching or encouraging you to incorporate in your life in a very intentional manner. It follows the course of the season. If you're hearing about this and you want to, you know, one, listen to the show, just go and look for Everyday Courage on your podcast player of choice. And two, if you want to access that workbook, I, I want to stress it's a completely free workbook. It's just intended as a resource to help you really incorporate and take action on these ideas. Uh, you can find the free workbook at chooseify.com slash courage. Yeah. And just to reiterate, obviously you're listening to this podcast on a podcast player. So just take a second right now, go to subscribe, search for Everyday Courage and hit download. Download, I think there's five or six episodes out as of now. The show is fantastic. So I really implore you to listen to it. So Brad, I actually wanted to catch you up on a uh, conversation that I had over the weekend that I think uh, it, it kind of lit the spark in me again. I mean, it was like one of those that we have this information. I wouldn't say that we we take it for granted, but I do think that after you implement it and you get to the 10 minutes per month, Brad Barrett style of personal finance, which you will forever be known t-shirt coming <laughs> that at some point you like, it's on autopilot. Like at some point you're here for the life optimization. You're here for encouragement, but you're not really stressing or worried about your finances. You've got a plan. Now let's just stick to the plan. And so at some point you start taking it for granted you almost lose that spark of when you first realized that financial independence was possible. And I had the privilege of speaking with a buddy of mine I went to high school with, 
he messaged me to ask me a, a question about, I believe it was backdoor Roth IRAs, or maybe it was 529, some combination thereof. Wait, wait, wait. I have to stop you. So he just reached out to you out of nowhere? Like, I mean, I, does he know that you have the podcast, obviously, or did he just know that you're into personal finance? Yeah, I think he knew that I geeked out over personal finance. Okay. I think okay. that was the context at this point. Cool. <laughs> and he was asking me a couple of questions. And I, I just used the opportunity to like take a step back and ask him about his goals. So we carved out some time over the weekend. We carved out, it was about, it was about 45 minutes. And I just asked him what he wanted. Like, what, what are, what are your goals? Like, why are you asking about backdoor Roth IRAs? And I honestly, I asked a pretty simple number of questions just to kind of get this picture. Like, you know, what actual questions do you have? And then realizing that like, well, what's the context for that? I asked him how transparent he wanted to be with me. And when he said, I just, yeah, I want to come up with a plan. Can we just talk about my numbers? So I got him to tell me his income, his net worth, his liabilities, his debts, and then, you know, what his goals were, what are his monthly expenses? What's his inflow? What's his outflow and what his goals are. And over a period of about 15 minutes, we went from a kind of an abstract picture about 529s and backdoor Roth IRAs, which we pretty quickly realized both of which weren't really the question. Like he wasn't eligible. Like he wasn't, he wasn't in this bracket where you even need to consider backdoor Roth IRAs. You can just do the Roth IRA, right? So why make it more complicated? And when it came to 529s, that's really 18 years down the road. He's just trying to become financially savvy because those were the questions in the absence of the actual question, which is how do I achieve my goals? My goals at the end, as we realized midway through was to be able to have the option to work or not work in his mid forties. He's going to be finishing a stint in the military. He'll have served his 20 years and that'll be the age of 45. And he wants to know how to best capitalize on the interim to make sure that he has options at the age of 45. And within a period of this 45 minute window, we were able to help him calculate his number, was able to help him actually figure out what to do. Like he had, he was sitting on like $30,000 of consumer debt, but he had the ability to pay it off very, very aggressively and then mobilize towards this. And at the end of this period of time, the blinders came off. He could say, I could, I could have the option to work or not work by the age of 45. And I, the advantage is by serving my country, I actually have access to healthcare for like $500 a year for life, you know, with this. So he has unbelievable advantages. He has wind behind him. And we were then just working with some of the smaller stuff. Like what does it look like to invest outside of your, you know, your TSP? What does it look like when you're actually using traditional taxable investment accounts. How do, how do you even go about doing that? And all these questions that I just took for granted, you know, not, I don't take it for granted because we talk about it every day, but you forget that like, just because you're comfortable with it and you understand it and you understand your plan, you don't learn this in high school. Nobody is going to take the time to explain this to you in a common sense manner in high school. In fact, it's usually packaged behind. You need someone else to do it all for you because you can't possibly explain it. The level of confidence that he had coming out of that conversation not only cemented our friendship for the next 20 years, but it changed his life. I think it's going to be a million dollar conversation for him when he looks back 20 years from now. And frankly, it was such a source of encouragement for me to be able to have that one-on-one impact. Yeah, that is incredible. Wow. So you said took the blinders off. Obviously he came to you and he had some questions. Did he have goals at minute zero of that conversation? Had he thought about them? Had he conceptualized them? And, and what were the questions you asked that helped him ultimately get to where you were at the end of the conversation? Yeah, I don't think he'd actually given himself permission to even analyze whether or not he would be able to not work at 45. So it was all based around working at 45. And, there, and you never questioned that, you know, and went farther with it. And I don't know, I, I think for him, I think it's very important for this individual and probably for many others to say that this was not about convincing him not to work at 40. When he leaves the military, if he chooses to leave the military, it was not to say, you're not going to work. It was rather at the end of this conversation, we realized how cool would it be to have the option? If you go back in, it's on your terms, not because you have to do this, right? And then be able to look forward with some of the variables that are happening. Maybe his wife, who was a stay-at-home mom for a period of time, is going to be going back into the workforce. How would that alter things? If he paid off his debt, how would that alter things? Should he pay off his debt? If he goes into investments, what does it look like to invest practically? suddenly he could start to consider some of these questions. And then as a result of knowing what those variables might look like, come up with a plan that isn't radical. It's just optimizing at the margins and realize that those optimizations would be the difference in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to his kind of near-term future self. We're talking about within the next 10 years, he's going to be at this inflection point. Yeah. I've found that in conversations I've had with friends who are in the military and who are police officers, people who have pensions. And 
when you're coming at that from the phi mindset, your eyes are lighting up, right? Like they're as big as saucers. You're like, oh, wow, you have all these options. But yet so many people have the limiting belief that, of course, I'm going to continue working. It's cool just to have that realization. So that's incredibly impressive. And I think, Jonathan, it leads directly into having these conversations with people and community, right? This is what we talk about all the time. And I don't know about you, but I've seen Choose of High local groups having meetings pop up on my Facebook all across the country. And I know here in Richmond, actually, it's interesting because you and I didn't even know this was happening, but Emily and Stacy, our local admins here, they hosted a panel at a local library on spending less, earning more, and investing better. 40 plus people showed up on a Sunday in January, totally unbeknownst to us. And they had a couple hour conversation. And Emily said, folks hung around for about an hour after just chatting, which was amazing. And it's cool when you have these opportunities to just talk about this. We've always said it normalizes the conversation because like your buddy, who did he have in his life to talk about finances to? Nobody, nobody at all. And now he has you. And I think that's what's so beautiful about these Choose If I local groups is you have kindred spirits. You have people that you know, they're built in. They want to talk about this. They want to support you. And I just find it so encouraging. And it really, especially for me, it was just really heartening to see all of these Choose If I local meetups form in January. And if you're out there, you're part of a group, start a meeting, message your admin, do it, whatever. Do it yourself. It doesn't have to be top down. Go to a local brewery, go to a library and just say, hey, we're going to chat for an hour. That just is so empowering to me. And it, it's what this community is all about. It's just making this a part of the fabric of your life. I, I, you know, as we start this new year, Brad, and, and we, we start thinking about what, what do we want the fabric of our lives to actually look like? I think it's the power of community cannot be overstated. In fact, referencing an episode that we did recently with James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, he very pointedly stated, and I've realized this not just in finance, but so many aspects of my life, that it is incredibly important to join a group where the desired behavior that you have for your life, whether that be, I want to be better with my fitness, I want to be better with my finances, whatever that story is, is the norm behavior. It is the behavior that is accepted by the group. And so if you want, if you want to be, do better with your finances, regardless of your money story, historically, regardless of what you've been your whole life up to this point, if you want to do better with your finances, you should join a group of people that are actively pursuing doing better with their finances. And there will be a spillover effect. In fact, to tie this full circle to the episode with Jackie, this is exactly the tool that she used. Growing up in poverty in the Deep South, her desire was to escape a life of poverty, to do better with her finances. It was a desperate need to get the information she needed to do better. What is one of the main levers she pulled? She looked around for groups of people that did well with their finances. In this case, it was an investing club, specifically a nonprofit investing club that was willing to give their most precious non-renewable resource, their time to educate each other on the practice of investing. And this completely changed her financial trajectory to the point where then she was going out as an advocate to underserved communities to be this person to help teach the next generation and take it where maybe those individuals couldn't. And that, I think, actually teases up really well to talk about something that's very exciting, the Chooseify International Foundation and specifically the launch of Phi 101. Yeah, Jonathan, this is really the most exciting thing we're doing here at Chooseify. And today is a big day. This is the day that we announced the official launch of FI 101. We've mentioned this a few times over the last few months, but the day is finally here. We are opening up officially the applications for the free FI 101 course. And we actually have the lead author of the course here, Stephen Heptig. And we're going to chat with him. What's cool is we chatted with his mom, Becky, a few episodes ago. It was amazing to hear her story all the while in the background, knowing that Stephen's been a member of our team for the last couple of years. It was wild to actually get text messages from Stephen while I was interviewing his mom. So it's really awesome to bring Stephen on. We're going to dive into the real specifics of FI 101, what we're trying to do here with the foundation and the launch of this incredibly exciting project. I mean, Jonathan, this is what we've been working towards. 
when we started uh, the show, it was to it, we, we were going to do experiments in financial independence. And um, I think as the show morphed and grew and matured, uh, it became a show about community, about a community of people that are pursuing a better life for themselves and for their families. And as it grew, we kind of felt this responsibility. People were asking us, you know, what we were going to do with this platform as it grew, how we would use this to advocate for a better world for us all. And to be honest, you know, when we were first posed with that question, we just didn't have an answer. And as the platform grew and grew, as we started to approach, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people listening to the show, we realized that this had become a movement. You know, this had truly become a movement and a lot of responsibility came with that and it became clear that we shouldn't waste it. And what does that look like? What does not wasting it look like? It looks like spreading financial literacy as far as possible and giving it and making sure that people underserved communities have access to it. You know, people that listen to podcasts by definition are maybe not the people that need this the most. There's some inherent level of wealth that is implied when you're able to listen to a podcast from your smartphone on demand, et cetera, et cetera. And if you really want to impact the world, if you really want to see this go farther, you need to get outside of your normal lane and we need to figure out a way to reach underserved populations. In fact, the, the financial independence movement community, the FIRE movement, one of the biggest criticisms is that it's not reaching the people that need it the most. What does it look like? And Jackie actually in this episode said, we have to start with financial literacy. We have to start there. So I think FI 101 is our response to that mandate, to that calling, or at least the first version of it. I know that we are very excited to actually see this exist in the universe. And we both believe, as does our team, that this can truly impact this world that we all live in. So yeah, as you said, Stephen's going to be joining us on the show today. We had actually kind of teed up that we might be able to bring him on after his mom was on that episode. Brad, what episode was that with Becky? The episode title was, Is It Too Late? And just for some context, Becky and her husband. So Becky came on the show to share with us that her and her husband basically were starting with a net worth of zero at the age of 50. And we're able to, using the principles that we talk about on this show and in this community, we're able to achieve financial independence in their early 60s. We actually did an episode with Big Earn that following Friday where we broke down the math on that. Uh, and it was an incredibly encouraging episode for me, as I know it was for many people that are maybe finding this a little bit later in life. Ah, you pulled it up for me. Okay. <laughs> episode 152, episode 152 of the podcast. Check that out if you haven't heard it already. But what you should be aware of, as Brad was pointing out, is that although Becky and her husband at the age of 50 had a net worth of zero and were able to turn this thing around and get started, they were doing this with a family. And Stephen was one of their kids. And Stephen, and Stephen <laughs> is- Still is, is one of their one, kids. They haven't disowned him yet. <laughs> yeah. Is one of their kids. And what's really cool is he is starting much earlier in life. And so they were able to pass along at least this desire to do better with finances. And Stephen now is actively pursuing, spreading this ideas as far as possible as well through the foundation. So Stephen, with that set up, welcome to the Choose of I podcast. Thanks guys for having me on. This is uh, definitely outside of my circle of comfort, So, uh, but I'm excited to be here. So Stephen, I know I know you were super proud of your mom after episode 152. We got a lot of feedback, wonderful feedback on that episode. But I mean, that was your life. I mean, you, you were living that. To see you so motivated, not just to do better with your own finances uh, as an active duty military officer, but also building this curriculum for people throughout the community and around the world. You know, where does that motivation to do that come from? Well, it came from my own struggles, to be honest. My parents, that you heard my mom's story growing up. I saw that. I saw it modeled. But as I left the home and kind of had to go deal with it myself, I basically was determined to make all of the same mistakes uh, to begin with. And uh, But luckily, I, I stumbled early on, kind of leaving college and not racking up credit card debt. I came to a point where I did eventually run out of money one day, um, legitimately got to zero on my bank account. And I was like, okay, this is a point at which I have to change uh, everything I'm doing. So I did do a bunch of reading. I All of the standard books that we talk about, so J.L. Collins, The um, Richest Man in Babylon, those types of things. I spent a whole year reading a lot of those books and got really passionate about it. It helped that I was deployed for uh, six months of that year. So I had a lot of free time to read. But I came back and I said, you know, this has changed my life. And I'm looking around at the people around me and the military especially gives us so many tools to really be able to leverage up some of the fundamentals that FI is built on that I said, why isn't everyone doing this? We have to help 
some of these young kids. I mean, they're, when you walk through a military base, I know on ours, like there's a, a food pantry. There is a, a box that says, you know, leave a can, take a can if you need it, because that's a reality for some of the, the younger guys who are trying to support a family when they're a really young enlisted troop. And I said, okay, we've got to do a better job of taking care of our troops. We consider that the officer, the leadership of the military considers that to be a really fundamental piece of our national defense is making sure that the people who are in the military are financially secure, don't have to worry about that when they're deployed. There's a lot of resources out there, military one source, those kinds of things that you would have heard about when talking to uh, some of the other military members we've had on the show. But a lot of those resources aren't utilized they aren't aware that they're out there. So I started to just say, how can I teach this in my local group, my unit? And that's kind of where I started in terms of building some of this this curriculum and, and the passion to teach other people. So Stephen, what did that look like when you started teaching members of your own unit or group? Like, Did that predate this FI 101? And how did you go about getting started with that? It did, but just slightly, and that's the interesting part. So probably uh, maybe four or five months prior to when I spoke with y'all the first time, I had gone to my, uh, we call him a DO, it's the second in command of our unit, and said, um, we have these training days where we do a stand down, nobody flies, nobody does anything else, we just have some kind of yearly training, and there's always time to do some other training activities that aren't necessarily on the script. Going into 2018, so I guess this would have been 2017. 2018 is when everyone in the military had to make a really big choice about their retirement with a blended retirement system. And I, so I think that just finances were a little bit more on people's minds those years. And I asked my commander, I said, hey, we need to do some conversations about this. Like We need to start talking about this because there's a lot of incorrect information out there. So it looked like me giving a few small talks on these training days. And then I decided that I was not going to be active about talking to people one-on-one. I wanted them to come to me after they saw me stand up in front. I did have a few people start to ask me questions after the fact and kind of uh, in the hallways. And so I I came up with this philosophy that I'm going to allow people to come ask me a question and I'll answer the question as best as I can. And then if they come back to me a second time and ask me more questions, it's obvious they're really thinking about this subject. And I will hand them a copy of J.L. Collins' Simple Path to Wealth. So that's kind of the process that I took in my own unit to try and share this message. It was a lot of one-on-one. So let me talk about this through the lens of the foundation. You know, Stephen, when, when we partnered with you to bring this to the community, it was all about how can we, how does this scale? You know, you mentioned the one-on-one conversations. How do you reach as many people as possible? And I think as Ed kind of came and joined us to choose if I and provided us a vision for what a nonprofit would actually look like, as it's all come together, there's actually ended up being three three or so distinct pillars, three or four distinct pillars of this foundation and how we think we can have maximum impact. And I'll just kind of set it out there as a macro level so people can start to think about it. But um, we're, obviously we have a little bit more of a focus today. So the foundation uh, has a speakers bureau where you can actually get speakers to go into underserved communities and actually take this information, take it into businesses, et cetera, et cetera. It has a curriculum, K through 12 curriculum, which is now It's virtually done. It's actually being piloted at several schools. And actually, most recently, and this is basically an announcement, the University of Richmond, which is a fantastic school, actually, Brad, one of your your alma mater, uh, is actually taking this curriculum and using it in their Masters of Continuing Education program to actually have their teachers or the, the students that are going through that program actually use it as a way of assessing whether or not it will be effective. And there's some nuance there, but they are actually partnering with us to actually make this a better curriculum than it is already. And FI 101 has kind of two focal points, the military, which was the inception of the idea for you, but a civilian population as well. And actually the civilian FI 101 is really what we're announcing today. So I'd be curious to give this back to you and have you take it from there. How did we get here? Yeah. So you guys kind of gave me the opportunity to come on with the team and you approached me and said, there's a lot of military members in our audience and we want to provide them with some good education and content. And so I originally started this project and said, let's make a basic finance course for the military. But as we got through it, we realized that all the stuff that we're teaching them with a few small word changes and nuances is really the FI principles that we talk about in our books and across our podcast over a hundred episodes or more. And at this point, and so we backed up and we said, let's do this for everyone. Let's just do financial literacy right from the beginning. And then 
Um, we're going to iterate that in a small way using the same videos with a little bit different content and explaining some of the differences, nuances here in a few months specifically for the military. And, you know, one of the pillars of the foundation, we, we kind of branded it as a speaker's bureau, the K-12 curriculum, and then the military. But uh, I, you know, I, I really am passionate about all public servants because a lot of people out there have decided they're going to be firefighters, EMS, police, military, um, FBI, any of those agencies. You know, they've given up very likely a, a higher paying career on the civilian side to, to be a public servant. And so that's kind of that third pillar of our foundation is really going to be towards the public servants. We'll start out with the military, but we intend to, to give some specific nuanced education to several different areas of the public servant space, including teachers. So Stephen, talk us through the creation of FI 101, right? This obviously wasn't something we just slapped together and decided to launch. This has been a year plus journey, right? And I know it's it's been uh, multiple iterations of videos for me and Jonathan, because we got some feedback, frankly, that we didn't do as good a job as we should have on it, which is really valuable feedback. Because the whole point of this is not to stroke our egos or some nonsense like that. It's to put out content that people are going to follow and actually take action on. That's the entire point of Choosify's existence. So I looked at that as a really wonderful thing. And I'd, and I'd love for you to talk through the journey that this has been on and the feedback you've gotten from the community and how that's helped. Yeah, it has been quite a journey this year. There's been a lot of work put in, a lot of late nights by myself, by Melissa, who's our primary writer, some other people that helped on the fringes. And then most importantly, we had about 400 people go through the beta, the original version of this through September and October. And they gave us a lot of feedback primarily, like you're you're saying on the videos. What happened was we took some videos that we shot, if you guys will remember, way back, I think it was in February, March, April of, of 2019, where we were first doing video. And we said, we think we can do a bit of a boot camp. So like a financial independence boot camp. We took those videos and we repurposed them for the FI 101. And the intention was we'll write all of the curriculum that goes around it. So we'll write the, the workbook, the worksheets, the text, all of the images that go with it. And we'll just repurpose these videos and then when we have time and space, reshoot those videos later. And uh, it became very apparent, I believe, uh, about three days after Lesson 1 released in the beta that we needed to do new videos. But it was such an awesome opportunity that we were forced into doing because we spent two months, we wrote a script, we you know, started working with um, some better equipment in terms of teleprompters. And, and it's very different than the podcast. It's very very different uh, departure from the conversational tone that we kind of had on the first videos and is natural for the show when it's on the podcast. But it's exciting because it put us in a place where we had to think linearly about how do we take 200 episodes worth of information, articles, and videos and boil it down into the actual concepts and principles that are used to get yourself from not understanding how to deal with your money to your FI number and being able to make work optional and create a life by design. So all of our classes are scripted videos. They have desired learning objectives at the very beginning. You know what you're getting into for each lesson. There's interactive projects for each lesson, and it gives an opportunity for people who want that classroom setting, that classroom feel to work through it and to do it with a community of other students being able to ask questions and that sort of thing. So we, we started out with, a, with this bold idea, and then uh, it blew up into something that was so much bigger than we really even had imagined at the beginning. You know, one thing I want to ask you, and I, ha I certainly have some ideas as well, but in terms of giving this thing the reach, you know, and making sure that people actually hear about it and are able to access it, one thing you said earlier was that, you know, there are, for your guys, the team that you're with, there are certainly other resources, you know, that are out there, but they don't, they don't know that they exist. You know, we've created this and now it exists as well, but it just exists. How do we make sure that people can access it? And we can talk about it as, uh, through the lens. Let's, let's start with you and your comfort space, which is with the military, through the lens of the military. How can we make sure that actually officers and enlisted are able to access this and learn from this information? 
well, I think the best thing that Chooseify has going for it at this point to spread this is we have this massive network that's infiltrated across the country into just about every major city um, to include military bases. So we have Chooseify local groups that are military base specific. So that's one place that we'll be able to start. We're also we're having conversations with some other outside organizations, some nonprofits that they have the same mission as us, but they're going about it a very different way. Um, whereas we're taking more of a grassroots approach, that infiltration, trying to get uh, members to support this information and this education from a local standpoint. We are talking with some organizations that are, are looking at it from the DOD level. How do we approach this actually from the department level, getting it in as an accepted resource into the military and family readiness centers. That's that's a little bit of an ongoing project, but it definitely is on our radar. We want to get this in as a resource that people can have access to on base and is actually officially recognized. And guys, it's really important to note that this is a course for everyone. For me, the easiest way to spread this is person to person, like you said, grassroots. So for anybody out there listening, I would think the best way is share it with your friends, share it with your family, your coworkers. This is a free course. It's cool that we have, we do have this network, right? We have a network of listeners. We have a network of friends who have websites and podcasts. And I hope that people hearing this spread the word. This is from the Choose a Five Foundation, our not-for-profit to spread financial literacy. And it can literally happen on the person-by-person basis. And I think that ties into... What's the best way to get people to complete it? Yeah, we racked our brains to think about this. The, the one thing that came to mind as we were setting it up to just make sure this was free, right, is that if it's free, someone wouldn't value it. They wouldn't complete it. They wouldn't take it seriously. This is the biggest, I think this is the biggest danger that we both kind of felt when we talked about how are we presenting this. And I think for right now, like in our mind, we went through contortions. Is there a way that we could charge for it? And then if they complete it, give them all their money back. And, and, and to be honest with you, I think for right now at launch, that seems like a contortion by far. And it's not really, it doesn't feel like the movement that we are pursuing with this. And so it's going to be free. It is absolutely going to be free. And, you know, I talked about, I wanted to give you the chance to talk about it in the military setting. And in particular, because we have so many officer and enlisted men and women that are listening to this show and have, if they are not the person, they know the person, they know the person that can open doors. They know the person that could actually have this implemented and get access to it on their base, give an opportunity to the young men and women to actually be able to have hear and learn from this information, incorporate it in their lives. And so just because I don't want to miss this opportunity. If you are that person, you're hearing this and you know that's you, just reach out to Stephen. Stephen, what is the best way for someone just to kind of raise their hand and say, hey, let's connect when the military FI goes live? Yeah, absolutely. My email is Stephen with PH at chooseifyfoundation.org. And I get emails all the time. I keep a huge list of different people that have contacted me and uh, we're going to do it kind of a collaborative way once we start putting that military resource together. It's going to go out to this core group of people that have reached out to me and said that they want to help to make sure that it really speaks to people at every level. And it's a much easier problem with the the civilian version, the, the FI 101 for everyone, right? In that we have access to local groups all around the world. And this is a way, like it, Brad, you just mentioned the Richmond meetup. It's talking about earn more, spend less, invest better. We're, we're a group of 40 individuals here in Richmond, Virginia, met for over an hour to discuss these concepts and ideas. There's a passion to do better with your finances. And this has been created for free for this community, right? And so I, I guess my challenge is, one, if, if you feel like that describes you, I want you to take us up on this call to action to get started with this course. And then two, what I really want is I want you to do this with someone else. If I can't personally hold you accountable from this microphone and Brad can't hold you accountable from this microphone twice a week, I want you to find an accountability partner or two or three, a mastermind, a collective, if you will, of individuals that are going through this course together, that are going through the interactive projects together and are holding each other accountable to finish it and then share this message with other people that can benefit from it. And so, Stephen, I guess my question for you is if individuals want to access FI 101 for the local community, for the local area, or they don't have a local community, they don't have a network, they just want to do it themselves, what's the best way for someone to do that? So everyone can go to the link to sign up. So it's going to be chooseify.com slash FI 101. And that's going to take you to the link where you can sign up for the class. And 
Jonathan, to, to touch off your point of having an accountability partner, that's one of the most exciting things about this course. And one of the places where we've really spent a lot of thought and effort is we are pairing this course. You know, we have the Facebook groups and the local groups in the larger Chooseify community. And we've really discovered that that is like one of the, the major strengths that Chooseify has is the community that we've grown. But we actually are going to pair the course with a forum discussion community uh, software that's going to be specific for the course. Some people might ask, what's the difference between just reading the book that we we have? So your blueprint to financial independence versus the same stuff that's in the course. And and at the core, it is the same root information. But the difference is, is we want to meet people where they're at. And there is a whole group of people that would rather do this in a classroom type online setting and with a community. So we're going to have a software that is paired with it that every lesson is organized. You're going to be able to ask questions, talk back and forth, see other members' bios and what it is that they're working through in their life, what their strengths are, what their passions are. We're really excited about being able to connect the students behind the scenes every day beyond just the time they're sitting in front of the, the course material. All right, Brad, are you excited? I am incredibly excited. Like I said before, this is the single biggest thing we have going here at Chooseify. And it's just such an incredible point that this can help make a difference in the world, right? We talk about and we lament, why didn't we learn about personal finance in school? Well, we as the Phi community have taken it into our own hands and we have created something. I ask each of you, if this sounds like something that you want to take part in, or you want to help spread, please, we need your help. This is something that's free and it can genuinely help people in your family, at work, in your community. And it's as simple as just sharing that link, choosefi.com slash fi101. You know, Brad, as you were saying that, I kind of had that chill go down my spine. The fact that, you know, the academic system didn't take care of this for us. The political system didn't take care of this for us. So the FI community, the FI movement decided to handle this themselves, you know, and so it's been built, it's there and it's free. It is kind of an audacious scale and scope. And there's some amount that we can do, but to go farther with this, to truly get this out there and see this spread across the country and around the world, it's because of listener support. And we talked about friends and allies. So many of you have already partnered with us on past projects. We had some pretty significant donations to people to the foundation early on, which actually will maintain the operating costs for this foundation for at least the next several months. And it is allowing us to continue to offer this. So I guess my point with all this being, as we said, how can you engage or interact with this content? If you need the content, use the content. If you know someone that needs a content, do it with them. Do it either for yourself as a refresher if you've got this or as a way of holding someone else accountable. Let's do this together. And if you're past that point in time or if you want to have impact at scale, you're listening to the show because you believe in this movement, you believe in this concept, you believe in the power of financial independence to make the world a better place for ourselves, for the next generation and beyond, then support us, partner with us on this mission. And I guess, Brad, if someone does want to partner with us in a support capacity, how could they do that? Yeah, the easiest way is to go to the foundation's website, which is choosefifoundation.org. There's a donate page right there. It's pretty obvious. Or just choosefifoundation.org forward slash donate. And actually, Brad, I hope to see more articles like this in the future, but it was pretty cool. Mr. Money Mustache and his most recent article. And I feel very lucky. I get his articles in my inbox about once a month or so. And anytime I see one, I get very excited just because he goes into depth. But this article was titled, Let the Roaring 2020s Begin. And actually in the article down at the bottom, he was uh, kind of laying out his goal for his charitable giving for the following year. And he made an incredible donation to the Choose of Five Foundation. And I think the paragraph at the bottom really summed up what gets us so excited about this project. Yeah, this is really, really cool. He said, first off, I made a point of making another round of donations to effective causes this year. And he goes on to list the handful of charities that he made donations to. And Choose FI Foundation here for $5,000. He said, this was an unexpected donation for me. Based on my respect for the major work the Choose FI gang are doing with their blog and podcasts and meetups and their hard-charging ally, Edmund T, <laughs> who I met on a recent trip. Did you want to jump in? I love that. No, that's exactly who Ed is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ed is amazing. And he said, who I met on a recent trip. They are creating a curriculum and teaching kids and young adults how to manage their money with valuable but free courses. And I think that's the biggest thing is that it, it is a team that is putting this together and supporting this and getting it out into the universe. 
we're just doing our part and trying to let you know about it because you've told us that you're interested. You've told us that you want to see this get out into the universe. We're building a team to make that happen. So very excited. And thank you for all of you that have supported us by subscribing, by sharing with friends and family, by getting this message out there already. Man, that fire is spreading, my friends. It's 2020 and uh, it's continuing to spread. All right, let's go ahead and switch gears here. And I want to bring MK into this conversation. MK is our showrunner and she brings our community to the show by sharing with us wins, frugal wins of the weeks, your questions, your ideas. Really, it's uh, exciting to have you here and it's exciting to have you back for our first roundup of 2020. Welcome. Thanks. I missed you guys. It was so weird to not be recording for the past couple of weeks. I was like, what year is it? What day is it? Oh, we're recording today. I was waiting for the shoe to drop. I was like, can the universe still exist? If the show doesn't go out, I wasn't sure, but we're here. Glad to be back. And there are so many great things that we're going to be kicking off this year. So first, uh, you mentioned several times Jackie came on our show on Monday to talk about the HSA, among many other things that she's been able to master. And over the break, we actually had Justin write in with a question specific to his HSA. So I'm going to read Justin's question and Jackie's answer, because while this situation may be specific to Justin, there's some really great learnings that everybody can get from this. So Justin said, my company sent out an email today saying that since there are 27 pay periods in 2020, employee contributions to HSA are going to be skipped for the first paycheck in January. Are they legally allowed to do this? I've also been told by the benefits department that I cannot contribute more than $300 per pay period, which for 2019, based on the timing of when I learned that was their policy, meant I was unable to contribute the maximum amount. Do I have any recourse or potential alternative routes to contributing those amounts to help reach my limits for HSA? So Jackie, over the holidays, sent this really great response. It was so nice of her to be able to do that. So she said, there's no IRS mandate on the frequency or amount of each payroll contribution, except for an employer to take reasonable care to not allow an employee to over-contribute to their HSA. So your company is legally allowed to only take an HSA payroll deduction for 26 weeks versus 27 if they choose to do so. It also ensures that you don't end up with excess contributions later in the year, which require extra paperwork to correct. More than likely, your employer is doing this out of an abundance of caution to keep their employees from over-contributing. Your employer is also allowed to set a pay period threshold, and the closest I could get to figuring out the $300 per pay period you mentioned was this. 26 pay periods works out to be $7,800, which is just under the 2019 family max of $8,000 for somebody 55 plus. 7K plus 1,000 catch-up contribution. Not sure if there is an employer contribution that might account for that $200 difference. Remember that employer contributions, rewards, wellness incentives made to your HSA do count towards your total contribution limit. You can always check with your benefits department to see if they will accommodate any requests to amend your HSA payroll contribution schedule, but they may not be willing to do so. If you max out the payroll deductions allowed by your employer and still fall short of the max IRS contribution limit, there are two alternatives I would suggest that will allow you to fill the gap without the help of your employer. Make the remaining contributions to your HSA directly from your bank account to get the IRS max. Depending on the HSA provider, you may be able to connect your bank account to your HSA account, making it a very simple transaction. For example, I was $220 short of maxing out my HSA for 2019 via payroll deduction, so I contributed that amount from my checking account to make sure I reached the IRS max. Open, Or you can open up a second HSA account separate from your employer and make your remaining contribution there. You are allowed to have more than one HSA account. As of December 2019, Fidelity and Lively are the only two HSA providers I know that don't have any monthly bank or investment fees. Make sure you do as much as your employer allows via payroll deduction before making contributions on your own because you will save the 7.65% FICA tax. Also, any contributions you make on your own will have to be filed with your tax return in order to realize the tax deduction. So this was a really well thought out, explained response from Jackie. And I realized, okay, if there are potentially 27 pay periods in the year, more than Justin is dealing with this. So hopefully this gives everybody a bit more information to be able to process what's going on, how do they make sure they don't go over, but they still get the max. All right. So I I was hoping she wouldn't be as thorough as she was because I had something I wanted to say and uh, it involved the payroll deduction. So uh, Brad and I race each other each year to max out our HSA since uh, we got it teed up in what year was it? It was the end of 2018. All right. So that means that both of us have hit our max each year. You beat me by a couple weeks this year. So we have, well, 
So I'm 100% stocks. So three years of funding gets me to 20, not Jackie's six figure, but I got 21,000 plus the capital gains. It was like floating around 24,000, something like that with capital gains. But I wanted to say this. So we fund directly into, I believe, Fidelity. Is it Fidelity? All right. But we just make it from our bank account. So I copied you on an email, Brad. I don't know if you saw that, but someone else reminding us of that payroll deduction that we're missing out on. We're not being super optimized. As a self-employed individuals, we use a payroll service. I think currently it's called Gusto that handles our service. And I was like, I was thinking without actually taking the time to like explicitly mention, I was thinking, Brad, you're the accountant here. You should uh, see if Gusto can make these payroll contributions for us to the HSA. And hear me, the audience, this is why I wanted you to get there if you weren't aware of this already. If you go through payroll and if that funds your HSA, you are, Jackie said this, but just want to make sure you hear it. You're avoiding the FICA. You're avoiding FICA. And that is potentially an additional seven plus percent savings, you know, of that contribution, which is not an insubstantial amount, especially if it's now going into the account pre-tax, growing tax-free. And as long as it's being drawn out down the road or eligible medical expenses being drawn out tax-free, 7% on $7,000, Brad, I'm just saying we might, we might not be operating at full optimization here. <laughs> yeah, that does not sound like fully optimized. So yeah, thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Jonathan. I hope to listen to So yeah, uh, we have ours through Fidelity, like you said. And yeah, I just logged in and it looks like they have the uh, the zero, right? The Fidelity Zero Total mar mm -hmm. Market Index. Which F -C -R -O -X, is F-C-R-O-X, I think is the ticker. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's cool. I, this is a bunch of my little life hacks coming together. <laughs> of course, in Todoist every year, on January 1st, I have a recurring task to max out my HSA. So yeah, I definitely did beat you, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't up at 12.01 a.m. <laughs> it was made at 8 a.m. on January 1st. And the contribution limits this year, so for family... It's $7,100, and for an individual, it's 3550 And it sounded like Jackie alluded to there being additional options if you're over 55. Yeah, and I'm doing yeah. some math on this right now. I mean, you can, like, so if you if you max out that HSA for three years, you're at 21000 assuming no no gain. Yeah. And if you do that for seven, eight, nine, or 10, I mean, you're talking about that six-figure HSA. If you have $100,000, and your HSA and it's making, you know, average market returns of around 8%-ish, that's $8,000 a year in medical bills that are covered. You've created, I mean, you've created effectively something that down the road could cover long-term care insurance. We talk about like, how are you going to handle it? Well, I'm just going to create a superpower HSA is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it as quickly as possible for as long as possible. Man, I mean, now, now you think that's just 10 years. If you're talking 20 years down the road, you have $200,000 plus. Let's assume some return in there as well, right? $200,000 in an HSA continuing to grow at average market returns. You've just broken the game. You can't be a little bit excited for me no, in this realization. <laughs> I think you I'll, have enough. I'll be excited. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan has enough excitement for the team here. So no, but that all said, the HSA is amazing. So yeah, a big thanks to Jackie. And it also, MK, it looked like Jackie had an email address set up, right? To field questions if you had them. Yes. So Jackie has an email address set up for HSA questions. So you would send that to HSA question singular at gmail.com. That's HSA question at gmail.com. Singular. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, Jackie, in the episode that we recorded with her this past week, episode 161, Jackie listed off at least two fantastic resources for individuals. There was a fire letter. There was some advice. There was just kind of a way to get people interested in personal finance. There's a bunch of cool stuff. She was very thorough. She immediately sent it over to us so that we had it on file. And if you're hearing this and you want to access it, it is in the vault, the Chooseify vault. You could access that at chooseify.com slash vault. So next MK, I actually wanted to take a minute and talk about updates to the tax code, something that only in the FI community do we get extraordinarily excited about, or at least we want to be aware of it, right? And actually, this is interesting. So there was a new law that was just passed called the SECURE Act, and it refined or made a few additionals. It was called a tax revenue enhancement play, aka a tax increase. But actually, what it affected was something that in the FI community we talked about or called the stretch Roth IRA. and I'm going to, we actually got a, Sean, the FI tax guy called in a voicemail from this and I'll give us back to you in just a second, but I just wanted to do a little setup because I'm not sure how much depth he's going to go into. I was so blown away that this loophole existed and that it wasn't being talked about more that I'm not totally surprised to hear that they made some small changes to it. But basically here's the idea. If you fund a Roth IRA your entire life, the Roth IRA does not have 
required minimum distributions or RMDs. Whereas a traditional IRA does once you reach some age, I think it's like 70 and a half, something, something in that range. But upon your death, it does. Now, here's the thing. If you fund your, your Roth IRA your entire life, and then you don't touch it and you, you leave it for your heir, you know, your child, and they don't touch it their entire life. What happens is if you give it to your child and they're at a relatively young age, the required minimum distributions are calculated based on your age. So if you're very, very young, what could happen is that the account continues to grow even as you're taking your required minimum distribution. So you have several million dollars in there, but your required minimum distributions are such a small amount based on your age that the account is continuing to grow over the course of the child's lifetime. They leave it to their child, et cetera, et cetera. And at some point you take over the entire world. You're richer than Bezos. Yeah. Did I say it wrong? Did I say it right? I think you said it right. All right. I always leave his ass off. I'm trying to do better. All right. Um, anyways, they, uh, they nuked that. They, I guess they, they noticed that things could go off the rails and they added something to the tax code. That was my low level understanding. There's been actually a couple of good articles we'll have linked in the show notes. One from Go Curry Cracker, which I enjoyed reading over the weekend. And actually William in the Facebook group, William has uh, two kids with special needs. And actually the stretch Roth was particularly appealing to him with that particular situation in mind. Uh, so he had to make some calculations and he did some pretty incredible research. So I will have that linked up in the show notes as well. If you want to go check out the Facebook group, but I promise you whatever depth I just went into, Sean will do a better job. The Phi tax guy, you can find him at phytaxguy.com. And uh, yeah, I will go ahead and pull this up. Hi, Brad and Jonathan. This is Sean Mullaney calling in to discuss the SECURE Act. Congress and the president enacted the SECURE Act in late December, and it deals with retirement accounts. So what's going on here? Congress worked on some changes around retirement accounts. They impact us, but the very good news is it does not in any way impede your ability to achieve financial independence. It does make retirement accounts less desirable for many of our heirs, but it doesn't impede our ability to achieve financial independence. Some of the big changes. One of them is for those in the audience who are age 70 and a half and above. Starting in 2020, they can now make traditional IRA contributions. For the longest time, it's been that anyone of any age with earned income could make a Roth IRA contribution. But the rule had been if you got to 70 and a half or older, you could no longer do traditional IRA contributions. That age restriction is gone starting in 2020. And this will be nice because for those who keep working even a little bit past age 70 and a half, it'll open up things like backdoor Roth IRA planning. So a nice little one there. Another good benefit is the change in the required age that you have to begin required minimum distributions, better known as RMDs. So as you're probably aware, you have to start draining retirement accounts other than Roth IRAs once you achieve a certain age. That used to be age 70 and a half. It is now going to age 72. That makes traditional accounts just a wee bit better. It's a little bit of a benefit, not a major change, but every little bit helps. So why then have you seen in the financial press some agitation, some negative feedback around the SECURE Act. The answer is the SECURE Act significantly increases the tax that most beneficiaries of traditional retirement accounts, traditional IRAs, traditional 401ks, those type of accounts, it significantly increases the tax on those type of inherited accounts. So not during your lifetime, but for your heirs, they're going to pay more tax. What's going on there is it used to be possible to stretch out distributions from inherited accounts over either your lifetime or the remaining expected lifetime of the decedent. That won't be possible anymore for most beneficiaries. Most beneficiaries will now have to take the inherited account, whether traditional or Roth, over 10 years. And obviously, that can create a spike in taxable income if you're taking from an inherited traditional retirement account. There are exceptions. The biggest one is for your spouse. So your spouse remains a very good person to leave your retirement accounts to. Other exceptions include 
folks who are not younger than 10 years younger than you. So that think brother, sister, those types of folks, uh, your parents theoretically obviously would qualify for that. Other accepted beneficiaries would be your own minor children. So not grandkids, not nieces and nephews, but your own minor children. And then those who are either disabled or chronically ill. What do we make of all this? Well, I think for the FI community, this is actually a real win because look at it this way. We've got large federal debts, large federal deficits. Someone's going to have to pay taxes to make those up. And if it's going to be our heirs, that means that we all have the opportunity to use retirement accounts to our advantage, to save for our retirements and to save for financial independence. That's good news. Um, In terms of action items that some folks out there might want to take, first of all, if you've designated a trust as an IRA beneficiary, and you may have done that because you have children, you definitely want to consult your lawyer at this time. Those trusts likely need to be updated. Second thing you might want to think about is second generation FI and perhaps doing some more Roth conversions. Roth IRAs will be much better to inherit than traditional accounts. So this might be an opportunity to think about some Roth conversion planning for your heirs, but again, never at the expense of your own retirement. Make sure your own retirement is taken care of and then plan for some second generation FI. All right, Brad, thoughts, final thoughts, commentary, the word decedent, pretty fantastic. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, as always, thank you, Sean, for all the detail. He's quite impressive. And the action items there jumped off the page for me. Obviously, he said you have to update your trusts if you have those specified in in your estate documents. And there is some Roth conversion planning available for heirs as well. And Jonathan, I thought it was cool, just the couple benefits. I'm sure, obviously, in the press, you hear a lot of doom and gloom, but the positives here are people over 70.5 can contribute to traditional IRAs and the RMDs. I think this is the biggest one. Instead of being at 70 and a half, can be at 72 now. So I know that's, while Sean said that's a minor item, it's it's still something positive. So yeah, good stuff. Thank you, Sean. You know, Brad, I always love running like some sort of like simple calculations, uh, especially future value calculations. But like with the Roth IRA, if we just talk about that for a second, one of the reasons that it's so appealing, it goes in after tax, So you've already been taxed on your income and then it grows tax-free. And as long as you pull it out after the retirement age, then you can also pull it out tax-free as well. Little nuance there. You can actually have your contributions at any time, but why would you do that? All right. So if you were to start at the age of 18, you were to start making some income and you were to max out that Roth IRA every single working year which in my dad's case will be to like the age of 70. He just, I think he is going to retire this year. I think he's finally going to retire. He might've, he might've stopped just, just a hair before 70. And you were to max out that Roth area. I think the limits are around 5,500. Is that, is that accurate? 6,000 for 2020, it looks like. Okay. 6,000. I need to rework just one calculation real quick. So 6,000 for 20. The point is actually that it goes up every year or two, just by about $500 a year is what I've observed. So uh, $6,000 a year, which will be, it'll probably won't be lower than that. And that would be a contribution of around $500 a month. And you do that over your entire working career. And in this case, this individual, they just won't stop working. At the age of 70, which is this person's retirement age, with an 8% rate of return, so average market returns, they would have $4.5 million. Now of that, only $312,000 was from contributions, what they actually put in. The entire rest was just it growing over, over time, capital gains. So practically what we're talking about here, if I'm understanding the, the general changes that were made, the RMDs, which required minimum distributions, which were based over an individual's life, and it's a separate calculation, which is too far in the weeds. I'm not prepared to be able to answer it accurately on what it was. But now, basically, it's truncated down to about 10 years they would need to pull out that $4.5 million. In this extreme example, they would need to pull out that $4.5 million over a period of 10 years. And you can imagine, and this is for your heirs. This doesn't affect you. You crushed it. You had $4.5 million, maybe even more than that. Now, while in the past, what could have happened with the stretch Roth, the way it was proposed, you know, you leave this to an heir, maybe a child or a grandchild. Now the required minimum distributions are based on that child's lifespan. I, I don't have the calculation in front of me. I probably would get it wrong if I did, but it doesn't really matter because that's gone. It's not the required minimum distributions are not based on the child's lifetime anymore, but now it's, you got this 10 year window to pull the money out. Now the, I want to point out 
the money is still tax-free. But now you're pulling out $450,000 a year. I mean, maybe there's a slight, you know, maybe there's some nuance there in terms of how that calculation is adjusted per each year. But over a period of 10 years, you've got to get all that money out and you can't put it back in the Roth. You might be able to put it in another vehicle, but any gains from there will then be taxed. Yeah, no, and and just to dial in on that, you hit that exactly right. In this case, they've got this four and a half million in pre-Secure Act situations. They would have just let that ride essentially, except for the RMD. The rest of that money would have stayed in there for potentially decades, but now it's all got to come out. And like you said, this is a Roth IRA, so it's tax-free. So the 4.5 million comes out, but it's not under that umbrella anymore. So now you have four and a half million dollars, just for argument's sake, sitting in VTSAX, right? VTSAX spits off dividends somewhere around 2%. Right. So if it's spinning off a dividend of 2% on four and a half million dollars, that dividend, that income, you're going to have $90,000 a year in taxable income if you're getting a 2% dividend on four and a half million. So you might want to invest it all in Berkshire Hathaway. (laughs) No dividends, please. No dividends. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, previously that would have all been sheltered in that Roth IRA. So that's the real practical application of, of what has changed negatively with the Secure Act. So Jonathan, well done with the example. Thank you. It's always scary to go out and alone with these calculations, <laughs> but I appreciate you keeping me on the mostly straight and narrow. I was a little afraid. I'm not going to- You were terrified, <laughs> terrified. This is where it all implodes. All right. Well, that was informative. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into the mailbag. MK, what do you got for us? Well, we have several items today. So if y'all remember way back in 2019, three weeks ago, episode 158 with Kim, we talked about the real hourly wage. Well, Ruth and our Facebook group made some really great points about that. So when we think about our real hourly wage, sometimes we think about all the negatives, the cost of driving to work and the time we spend driving to work and clothes and things like that. Well, Ruth said regarding the latest episode about your hourly wage at work, don't forget to include the good things like your 401k match, Christmas bonus, company car, gas compensation, free coffee, gym at work, shower, snacks. She says she can do wine tastings and gets to keep the leftover wine, which I think is an amazing benefit. So that was really exciting to see the positives coming in for the real hourly wage too. This is the first time that I, I've realized I might be a negative Nancy. I only thought about the negatives yeah. when I was doing the calculation. Yes, yeah, true. That's, that's funny. And so funny little anecdote from my prior life. So I was a tax manager at a large baking company. So they make Thomas's English muffins and Entenmann's cake and cookies, among other things. And the headquarters was actually at one of the production facilities. So Jonathan, I kid you not, you would roll up in the morning and you would know they were making a certain type of cake because the smell would waft to you from like a half mile away. Yeah, so this is positive negative, right? So positive is- You are 20 pounds heavier than you you are right now. Yeah, yeah, the, the huge negative is I put on a lot of weight. The positive is every morning, somebody from the production facility would come over with boxes upon boxes of every type of cake, cookie, bread, English muffin, and just leave it essentially on a table. You could go over, open up a box, and just snack on whatever you wanted. If there were closed boxes at the end of the day, you could bring them home. So I would bring bring boxes of Entenmann's cake and cookies to Laura's family multiple times a week back in the day. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. I, <laughs> I just want to say my worldview's been shifted. I'm going to work yep. on my optimism, people. That's, uh, that's, that's awesome. Yep. Thank you, Ruth. Yeah, great. And to continue the optimism train, so Tracy posted a big win that she had in our Facebook group. It was after we had recorded our 2019 wins episode. So we have several of those that came over, but Tracy's was so great. I really wanted to share it. So Tracy wrote, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Jonathan and Brad. I'm a single mom by choice, and I will be starting 2020 debt-free. I finally paid off my student loans and car loan this year and started investing outside of my 401k. The podcast gave me the motivation and direction I was looking for. Because of you guys, me and my girls have a bright future. Thank you. And our community responded so positively. There were over 1,000 positive responses on Facebook. Likes, love, wow. It just blew up. So it was so exciting to see this positive energy going into 2020. That's awesome. That is so great. And yeah, Tracy, huge congrats. And I'm showing Jonathan the picture here of your beautiful girls and family. So yeah, huge congrats to you. Your life and their life is forever changed. That's amazing. Congratulations on all of your success. All right, MK, I know Brad mentioned the Richmond meetup. What do you got for us from the local groups? 
Well, we have several new local groups that have formed. So if you have made it your resolution this year to go out to a local group, there may be a new one near you. So Thames Valley, United Kingdom, Outer Banks, North Carolina, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Guadalajara, Mexico, Lafayette, Indiana, and Newport, Rhode Island all have new local groups. So if you're in that area, go and join. Or if you're traveling to one of these destinations, you can meet up with them too. You can find all of our local groups and cohort groups at choosefi.com slash local. Join a group where your desired behavior is the norm. And in this case, we're trying to do better with our lives. We're trying to optimize our life and live our best life now. And I think 2020 is going to be a great year for all of us. Super excited that you're here and that you're joining us on this journey. All right, my friends, unfortunately, that is going to bring this episode to a close. Now, as you know, we like to finish every episode by doing a drawing for a copy of a book that we have found useful. We're doing our book, Chooseify, Your Blueprint to Financial Independence. Now, this book can be found anywhere that books are found. And, and I would say I've noticed occasionally the book gets a little bit of criticism. And the criticism, the most common criticism that I see is that the book contains no information that is not on the podcast, to which my response is, well, of course. Do you think I'm holding out on you? We're keeping all the secrets back here? No, we're just trying to get this information out there as far as possible. And some people like listening to a podcast twice a week, and some people want to read a book or listen to an audio book. And so if you want all the information that we talk about on this show in a very linear fashion, you don't want to dig through 200 episodes, 300 episodes and growing, you want to get it end to end, Go buy the book. It's found anywhere the books are found. If you have a loved one that you want them to get started on financial independence, understand that this is a thing, this is doable, buy them a copy of a book. And then don't leave me a review telling me that you heard this information on the podcast. Say, I love how the book brought it all together. That, that, that's my ask. But my counterpoint here, I, I know Brad's laughing at me. as a little ranty. I apologize. I just can't believe someone would say that their biggest criticism is that we didn't hold out on them on the show. It's just a crazy. All right, sorry. If you want to win a copy of the book for free, really, I, I, I want you to win a copy of the book for free. To do that, just enter this drawing. All you got to do is just go to chooseify.com slash iTunes. Follow the instructions there. Leave us a short written review on either iTunes or Stitcher. And then send us an email to feedback at chooseify.com, letting us know that you left a review and what screen name you left it under. We give away one book for every five written reviews that we get. I mean, the odds are in your favor. And um, we announced a winner on the Friday Roundup. So MK, how many winners do we have today? Well, today we have one winner, and that is Bryn. Bryn says, this podcast is life-changing in all caps. For me, this podcast has absolutely been life-changing. Before Choose FI, I thought I was going to be working forever. Now I have hope and the knowledge I need to make massive changes. If you want to get off that hamster wheel and earn your freedom, this is the best place to start. Brad and Jonathan provide content that is actionable and relatable. Their guests are the who's who of the five movement and from all walks of life. So there's someone for pretty much everyone to relate to. Thank you, Brad and Jonathan, so much for all your hard work. All right, my friends, that'll do it. The bee's knees. <laughs> bee's knees? <laughs> are even, you distancing yourself that. from me? Yeah, I'm over here. Out of the show. <laughs> if you got value from today's video, take a second, hit the like button or subscribe button on YouTube or the podcast player of your choice. It just lets the platform know that you got value from this show and you want to be here when we produce additional content. We'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.